love, struggles, friendships, feelings, and anything in between. Coping with Carissa gives you a little dose of everything. I sincerely hope that a day would come in our educational system where excellence is achieved not by draining the life out of our teachers, but by having a system that can promote quality education with sufficient support for them in terms of the learning resources and fair remuneration. Hi! Welcome to another episode of the 20 Starter Pack, and this is called Confessions of a Former Teacher. This is a special episode for the World Teachers Day, and I just felt the need to share something about the teaching profession because, one, uh, I am or was a teacher. That's why I, I, I said former teacher. I actually had this dilemma of whether I would still call myself a teacher because I am no longer in the profession, although teacher education was my degree and, of course, I, I got a license for for teaching. And I have always asked myself whether I'm still a teacher, but whenever I receive greetings from my students, I would feel like you cannot really separate your life as a teacher, even when you are no longer teaching, because these students you have will always remember you as their teacher. So before, last year, I would I would think twice whether I would still be, am I still allowed to celebrate? I remember asking my friends whether, is it still okay for me to celebrate Teacher's Day? Is it okay for me to to receive um, greetings from people? And it's only this year that I realized that I should because I was once part of this um, of the lives of my students and it is something that cannot be changed they will they will forever see you as their teacher they will forever see you as their mentor or their advisor so you cannot really separate the life that you had before even if you are pursuing a different dream now so yes i am still a teacher and even if i am no longer teaching even if it's no longer my actual job uh, i think that i i will always be a teacher because it it is my profession and it has been my first love so yeah this is a special episode for all the teachers especially the millennial teachers so um, I hope that um, even if you are not a teacher, you would um, take the time to listen to this episode. But yeah, this is about the realities in the teaching profession, especially in millennial teaching. So as someone who grew up always making the most out of everything, my college um, degree, which was actually one of my options then, although I've wanted something else, I would say that it was a product of my hard work. Like, I, I really tried my best to be a diligent student. Like, I, I, I wasn't the super-duper diligent student, but I, I think that I did my part as a student when I was in college. And I was heavily competitive, not with other students, of course. My, my friends can testify to this, that I wasn't... Um, competitive against other classmates but I was really trying to achieve something for myself and I was competitive with my own self 
alone. I, I never got into a serious academic competition with my classmates then, but I've always wanted to graduate with flying colors. And it was a pressure I put on myself. I wanted to achieve great things because I was seriously thinking about making the people who helped us proud. Like who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't who wouldn't want to make the people who helped you feel proud about your achievements so my, my sister sent me to school so i wanted to make her feel that i was really someone somebody to be proud of that's why i was that i, I was uh, i was really thinking about achieving something when i graduate i remember getting disappointed about not being able to achieve something my family has seen me really disappointed about not being able to graduate as a cum laude, um, lacking just a point. Imagine a cum laude would have to be would have to have a general weighted average of one seventy five, and I got one one point seventy six. Like, like can you just imagine how frustrating that was for me? And um, I I joined this um competition before. 10 outstanding students of the Philippines and I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to to have that um that kind of um recognition at that time, although it wouldn't make sense for other people, but for me as someone who struggled in college as as someone who would want to be an academic scholar, and I'm not talking about this as if I'm bragging about this. I'm just telling you how how committed I was to achieving something. Uh, it was something that I wanted really. And I'm only explaining this because I want to establish how important teaching was for me. And plus, I was also student leader at that time. So just imagine the struggle that I went through when I was in college and that that prestigious award giving body or something that would that would recognize students would ha you would have to have a combination of social responsibility, academic um excellence and also leader leadership excellence. And I, I wanted so bad to, to be able to to make myself worthy of that recognition and yet I did not qualify in, in the regionals. So I was really I was really devastated and I, I think it um I remember if I remember it correctly when when I was about to graduate uh first I found out that I wasn't qualified I wasn't a complaude but my, my family didn't feel that bad about it because they were all in fairness to my family my family members would be very proud of what I have achieved so it wasn't a big deal to them then I wanted to have this best demonstrator award <laughs> which is very important in the teaching profession because if you are a great um if you have this best demonstrator award after um after you took your practice teaching that means that you are already a great you you have this picture that this person is a great teacher so i was eyeing for that award because um i remember my aunt sent me money from canada um supporting the 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 the, the thing like 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 the teaching strategy or the the gimmick i did during my practice teaching i made a time machine during my demonstration teaching so i was really into getting this award i wanted it so bad like i want to to make her feel like the the help that she gave me is is you know all worth it and it's a normal thing to do. I think it's normal that you have this drive to make the people feel proud about helping you. So I was that, 
I was that determined to achieve these things and nothing happened like I wasn't the I wasn't hailed if, if that's how you should call it I didn't get that award the best demonstrator award like the difference was um I still remember because this was very painful for me I got one point eleven and my classmate got one point ten <laughs> I wasn't a cum laude because I got 1.76. And then I did not qualify in TOSPI because um, I was told by someone, like an insider, a friend, uh, someone I know from the inside, that it could have been a factor that I wasn't a cum laude. So imagine just how bad all these things made me feel. Um, I think it was in the month of April when I was supposed to to already march for graduation and and upon knowing that i did not qualify in the tospi I, I i really i remember crying in my room and then my mother sent me this letter and then my sister also so yeah i, I was i i can give myself that kind of pressure i tell you i can give myself that kind of pressure that i would really try my best to work hard on everything i do because i have this motto that i cannot pray for something that i don't deserve so if i want something to happen i i, I need to make sure that i will really work hard for it so i i, I can be that hard working i can really work hard on something that i want and i would be that determined so just imagine the the effort that i poured during the time when i was still studying in in the college of education I, I was i was there eyeing for these goals wanting to do this achieve this because i was that i was that ready to become a teacher and i graduated with a clear-cut picture of who i would become like that right after college i would pass the licensure examination for teachers which uh luckily i did uh, and then that i would uh, finish my master's degree in in the philippine normal university because it's the center for excellence in teacher education so if you are a teacher you know that this is a a great uh, it's a big school in 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 the teacher education and uh, that before 30 probably <laughs> Um, given that the time and the resources and whatever, uh, th that was my goal. Well, uh, that before thirty, I would have my PhD in linguistics, like in 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 English, in teaching English. There's either either you pursue the linguistics uh part or you pursue literature. Not that I do not like literature. It's just that I was uh, more drawn to the structure of the English language, and I was into um. I had this concrete plans in my head, like I was, I can be that ambitious as a Capricorn. Well, I can, I can really look into these things and want to achieve. You see how 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 long term the plans are, but still, I I was sure that I would be able to achieve these things, and I was that sure. I knew that I would uh, be able to do all these things until I had. A quarter life crisis. <laughs> this was a turning point, I guess, uh, until I've wanted to pursue something else. And I would cry about whether I should still pursue something else aside from what I have been doing already, given the hard work that I poured when I was in college, given the the great training that I had in my former job. So I was torn i was really torn like 
I have held my 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 documents for my my the requirements that I prepared for my masters. Although I did not pursue my I didn't continue enrolling in in PNU. I was ready to enroll in UPOU, Open University, so online classes. I was super ready. Like, I have my savings ready. I have my requirements ready. And I had this thought that I wanted to also study law. So it was difficult, you know, being um, being the hardworking person that I have been in, in, in wanting to become a teacher. And wanting to pursue something else it's difficult because you would be asked to to throw away everything that you worked hard for and start all over again and it was a decision that i i had to to it was something that i really had to prepare for it, it wasn't an easy shift because if I will be wrong about pursuing law school, I would throw away a lot of opportunities. Because at this point, uh, I might have finished my, my MA already or probably I'm already writing my thesis if I have continued with, with my plan. So, you know, it's something that you can no longer... It's difficult to, to, to shift from, from one choice to another, you know, like, like having this confused mindset. So I was... I was really, I, I put again some pressure on myself that, hey, Carissa, you have to figure things out. You have to make sure that you are pursuing the right career that you want. Otherwise, you will be wasting time and resources. And I chose law school. So I, I remember leaving my former job, my, my, my job for five years, weeping and feeling guilty about wanting to pursue something else. I can still vividly recall how devastating it was to to bring home my teaching materials, my books, my props in teaching, all the letters and fancy gifts my students gave me. I remember crying. <laughs> I remember crying over the boxes, you know, the the bags, the the huge bags I brought to to bring home my stuff in school and Contrary to how people saw it, it wasn't totally I wasn't totally relieved about leaving my job to focus on law school. I felt that I was forced by the circumstances to choose between things I love doing because I love teaching. It's just that it wasn't any more fair for me as well because I would prioritize I could not I could not compromise the quality of teaching that I will be providing to my students because we are dealing with the lives of of children and and you cannot just simply give them something something that isn't your 100%. So the tendency is I wouldn't be able to study well in law school and I would be absent for for there, there although I wouldn't normally be absent in class it's just something that i don't really do um, i remember being absent every morning of saturday because we all we would always have events in school and it was hard because i almost failed a subject because of that because of being absent and it was then that i decided to to already leave my job because it was becoming too toxic for me already you know crying and um thinking about whether i could have done better in law school 
if I had more time to prepare for, for, for my subjects, if I had more time to study. So I had to choose already. And I remember when I left my job, I would cry <laughs> every time. I was just silent about it. I did not uh, bother other people because I didn't want them to, to tell. I didn't want to hear things from other people about making a wrong decision. You know, about being frustrated that you don't have a job for a few months. And then I think that I went through, if, if it's safe to say that I got um, depressed, because I think that I went through a certain stage where I would just, um, I would just sleep every time, play, play Ross or, or, or PUBG, I remember. And I didn't have a really healthy lifestyle during that summer when I left my job because I was I, I didn't know what to do and it's funny that I, I I even applied for another teaching job which means that I was still into teaching <laughs> I was really still into teaching I wanted so bad to teach pa it's just that uh, I needed a lighter one, like a lighter load so that I can focus more on my studies. So so that's what really happened then. And and people thought that I was already relieved that finally you're leaving this job and pursuing law school. No, it was it was super dip- difficult for me because I wanted it as well. I wanted to teach as well. And um, I am sure if you are in your 20s, you have experienced being um, torn and um you know being torn and con- reconsidering really whether your profession is still something that you want to pursue while i i've i love teaching it at that time when i made the decision i could not see myself growing old in the profession seeing you know seeing yourself in in a public school or probably in an suc i could no longer imagine myself like that that's why i had to already think about whether I would be doing this or not. So there, I I left my job. And it is just difficult to be a millennial teacher in the Philippines. And uh, may these confessions not offend anybody. I will just speak my heart out. We are innovative. The the millennial um, generation would be um, innovative and the quest for always trying something new would never be a question and it's a typical millennial uh, trait I, I guess but the struggles happen when we are either appreciated for our genuine efforts or we are abused and asked to do this and that for other people for other teachers <laughs> to be exact and young teachers know this i have heard a lot of friends in the profession either giving their 101% or hiding their skills and talents for fear that they will only be asked to do so much they can no longer handle imagine you're good at this but you cannot tell them you cannot show them that you're good at this because you're afraid that they will be abusing your skill and that's true that that's really happening in 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 the teaching profession and i know that there are uh, millennial teachers out there who would agree with me and my question is just when are we going to change this awful cycle i think it's it's wrong to to continue such practice and i hope that when the millennial teachers are already the seasoned ones they wouldn't continue doing this or you no know, like uh, try to get back at the younger 
teachers by by doing what the, the older generations did to them. I hope that this can already stop. Like that instead instead of guiding a new teacher, the ones who spent more years in the profession would drain the enthusiasm out of this energetic beginners. Just just imagine that. But but um just to clarify, I am not generalizing of course. You can definitely meet older teachers, seasoned teachers who would really be there to 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 serve as your mentors. I'm not generalizing. There are great teachers out there. And I know that you would also agree with me. Uh, I have met a lot of mentors in the profession, in fact. And I, I made, I, I'm pretty sure that I made lasting friendships with them. That until now, we still communicate. And um, these people know that um, they remain close to my heart. I'm lucky I was exposed to a school with a commendable professionalism. It, if there's something that I would really brag about the the private school where I spent my five years, oh my goodness, the professionalism, you know, the, the work ethics that is required from us was just really something that you would want as a beginner. Although it was tiring, I, I know they would agree with me, it was tiring, but we were always um, asked to 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 be at our best version, you know, like always set your best foot forward, something like that. I think a really huge factor in, in the culture of excellence in, in my previous job was my boss. She was uh, really traditional and prim and proper, like even the seasoned teachers weren't allowed to slack off. If you are already old in that profession, the more that you have to keep showing that you know better, like you have more experience than than someone who is just a beginner, like a new teacher, a newbie. So whatever is asked from a newbie would have to be asked to the seasoned teacher as well. So we had that kind of um kind of culture in 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 that school where I came from, and however, this isn't experience for some. That's why I, I I'm. Acknowledging also that um, some of my friends struggled in, in their respective schools. Like, ask any teacher, and this is a, this is a real struggle, whether in, in public or private high school, or even in elementary school. So another is the prejudice that we cannot settle for one job. <laughs> like, that it's so easy for us millennials to leave and find something new. <laughs> <laughs> and the older generations need to understand that we have different contentment level based or um, probably brought about by the intergenerational backgrounds. And the standard of living for millennials is high, not to make it appear that the rest of the generations do not have high standards, of course. It's just that um, the thing here is much is being demanded in the profession now. That's why... That's why we, we keep on wanting something else. We would always be conscious about improving ourselves. Before, it was rare for a teacher to pursue EDD or PhD. Like, it would already be a huge achievement to finish master's, your, your master's degree. These graduate degrees were most likely pursued by college professors. But in the basic education, it wasn't that big a deal. And now, if you are a millennial teacher, you cannot be complacent. There's this set of milestones you need to achieve for you to be promoted. Teachers have this ranking system, and it's not enough that you pass the let. You need professional development. 
And we also have this CPD units, my goodness, where we're required to pursue continuous learning by enrolling in graduate school, attending trainings and seminars before we can renew our license. Otherwise, of course, unauthorized practice if, if your license won't be renewed because of your lack of CPD units. Then, K-12 happened. Everything was new. When we were in college, this K-12 was only introduced. Like, of course, it was discussed in, in our lessons at that time, but it wasn't as, you know, as, as complex as it appeared to be when we were already in, in practice. And um, the, the intricacies of the new system of education was still abstract at that time. But during my first year of teaching, I was sent to a training right away. And we call it INSET. And there, you would learn how to follow the curriculum guide from the Department of Education. There's this, like, it's like a blueprint of what is supposed to be learned by, by grade level, which would be in a spiral approach, like continuous curriculum that the first grade will have to teach this in order for the learning competencies in the second grade to be realized. And that starts from kinder of course, and then grade 1 up to grade 10. So, you know, it just imagine one year level flops in the, in the preparation of the curriculum, in, in, in the preparation of the module. The, the, entire, the, the entire spiral approach would be uh, problematic. So it's important that all of the teachers teaching that, teaching, say for instance, English, will be able to talk about the things that they need to, to teach in order to realize the learning competencies in the curriculum guide. So that's how complicated it is. So part of this would be to be able to write a learning module for every quarter following the curriculum guide of the Department of Education. So for five years, I've attended this inset. Since my boss was a certifier of the accreditation team for private schools in the Philippines, we take things seriously. So we, we were really asked to do all the paperwork. Like, my goodness, we had to follow everything. So and this is exactly why teachers are now drained. No teacher would tell you that the teaching and learning process is tiring. It is fun, actually. What I mean is the teaching learning process, the actual uh, moment you see in the classroom. Teaching itself, being in the classroom before students is fun, but the preparation itself is what makes it exhausting. And aside from this, you also have to handle co-curricular or extracurricular activities. I have my not less than 26-hour load every year, and I remember reaching 32 hours per week. My goodness, that's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours of talking, I tell you. Then you also need to train students who will be competing in, in campus journalism because uh, I was an English teacher. So English and Filipino teachers will have to train um, students who will be writing. And I was handling the feature writing, the editorial writing, the science writing, and partly, partly the editorial cartooning. So then... Um, aside from that, I will also have to train our debaters because um, that's also under the English team. And then, if you think that I'm already done with my other tasks, 
I was also coaching our table tennis players. <laughs> Although they, they had a formal uh, trainer, I was just a coach. I, I don't, I, I'm not an expert in playing ping pong, but I, I can play, but I'm not as good as my, my students, of course. But still, you have to be there, facilitate their trainings in school, and prepare their documents. Ah, that was, uh, that was us. Uh, the entire process whenever we prepare for competitions would be very taxing, very laborious. We, we had to, to work on so many other things for them to be ready. And in addition to all these things, my constant task in school was to do emceeing. So whenever we had programs, I would, of course, prepare my spiel and do the emceeing. And um, plus, I was also the prefect of discipline, which means that I have to monitor a certain year level and be the person in charge to investigate and prepare the documents whenever there are disciplinary cases. <laughs> so additional work again. And in our school then, it was a big no-no to ask the students to check papers. So if you are handling 10 classes, good luck to you. <laughs> I got to experience this. That means that you have to check 10 times, an average of 35 students per class. So that would be 350 test papers with not less than 70 items. Of course, you have essays there. My goodness. And you have to check all of these papers. And since I was teaching English, we were also required to, to ask the students to write their book reports. So just imagine how tired teachers are. <laughs> whenever, so so whenever, whenever you are about to undermine the efforts of teachers, when you are about to disregard the posts you see about these tired, almost lifeless teachers, think again. You wouldn't want to be standing in their shoes. But just to make a point, I do not agree that we should be romanticizing the struggle of teachers. We've had too much resiliency. Teachers in the Philippines are seriously underpaid for the work they do, the time they spend making sure that someone's child gets quality education. Especially now that we are facing a global crisis, we do not have sufficient resources and we see our teachers on the news every day. However, while I genuinely see the struggle of teachers, especially now, I do not subscribe to whatever is being portrayed by some. Like, while I'm not invalidating the varying circumstances of teachers, those who teach in far-flung barangays, etc., I do not also believe that teachers cannot be resourceful. No offense to the teachers who would cross the rivers, but it would practice. It would be practical to ask help from the LGUs to, to assist you. I don't think that the LGUs wouldn't have the manpower to help teachers, especially now. Or if I'm mistaken, this, the school itself can devise a workable system to address such circumstance. I don't know. I just think that sometimes um, there's just a tendency to, to, you know, to, to show the world that that this is how difficult it is, so you have to pity us or something. We already know that the teachers are struggling. It's just that I just find it somehow like uh, it's kind of odd not to see a teacher being resourceful because it's the number one trait of a teacher. A teacher would always find a way to make sure that learning is delivered to students. So yeah, I hope that I wouldn't be 
um quoted and 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 thought of as someone who is insensitive about these teachers i i feel for them i, I see that it's a struggle but it would be better if we can think of ways of making the profession also a dignified one you know like not going through certain levels just for you to to deliver the learning you can always ask help from the government it's the duty of the government to assist teachers also not just the teachers thinking about everything else so there's no way there is no easy way to describe how laborious it is to be a teacher in the philippines I think it is unfair that teachers are always torn between wanting to have a quality life and being able to deliver quality education. I sincerely hope that a day would come in our educational system where excellence is achieved not by draining the life out of our teachers, but by having a system that can promote quality education with sufficient support for them in terms of the learning resources and fair remuneration. It's going to take some time, given this economic crisis, but no matter how far-fetched it may seem, I hope that the government can seriously take immediate actions to improve the basic educational system in the Philippines. So that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me. And um, I'll see you in the next. Bye! This has been another episode of Coping With Me. Please do share your comments, insights, suggestions, or reactions. Check me out on Twitter at CopeWithCarissa or send me an email at copingwithcarissa at gmail.com. Thank you and I'll be with you in the next.